adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphor to help and heal human beings. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. Woo! Hello, everybody. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am Michael Flores, your host. If you're a new listener and you have no idea who who the man is behind that sultry, nasally voice, it is I, Michael Flores, and I'm sitting in the studio with my cohort. Hello, David. Hello, everyone. All right. So we're going to be talking about Star Wars Resistance Season 1, Episode 14, titled Doza, Dilemma, and Praise Hallelujah. <laughs> this might be... The best episode of the entire season so far. It took 14 episodes for the season to find its direction. And I, I'm i confident enough to say that this is the direction. And it looks pretty fucking good, right? Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, like, the, the they finally started giving us a solid a path. That we have to follow. Wait, we need a path in order to walk? Or they, they, we're not supposed to just run into bushes and trees and fall off cliffs? <laughs> fall off cliffs. <laughs> yeah, so we had our very first Mythark heavy episode of the year. And because of that, we ended up getting by far the best episode of the season. The First Order strategy of manipulation has come to a head. Um, they continue to weasel their way on the platform, onto the platform. Uh, Kaz and Sonaro's relationship, they made it personal, and by making it personal, made Kaz more interesting. And we're going to spend some fair amount of time on Kaz this week because of the because the writing team nailed it this episode, and it had one hundred percent to do with how they wrote Kaz this week. Yeah, this was actually one of the. Very first, I think I think you're right. It is the first episode where we kind of look at it and say, "This is a solid Kaz episode where no one's no one's helping him. He's not doing anything goofy. He's not, you know, walking into things." I got a little nervous when they made him shoot so poorly. I'm like, "What are you, Will Ferrell from Jay and Silent Bob Strike <laughs> Back? You close your eyes when you shoot and you don't even aim. Come on." So I was a little nervous <laughs> for that part, but overall, it ended up working out pretty good. The creative forces behind this week's episode, uh, directed by Sergio Paz and written by Gavin Hignite. That's how it say that, right, Dave? Does that yes, sound right? Hignite. Yeah. So Gavin Hignite is now my hero. And I believe that this episode serves as proof that there's some course correction happening. This episode rid itself of every issue the previous first half of the season had. Kaz was competent, David. Yes. Competent. The writers had Kaz make decisions, for better or worse, that will alter the course of the narrative, which honestly was one of the biggest issues, is the biggest issue I had with the entire series so far up to this point. Nothing Kaz did 
was consequential. It just didn't matter. Nothing he did really dictated or altered the story, and that's not really a wise choice. Our leads always have to be relevant to the story. They have to be front and center. They have to be front and center. Otherwise, why have a lead? Just do an anthology episodes where every episode has to do with a different character. And that's honestly, Dave, that's kind of what they were doing. No, that, that yes. Yeah. They, that, that's been one of the things that I've started noticing in the first parts of the season of uh, resistance where I was like going, they're more focused on the cast around Kaz instead of Kaz himself. Right. I mean, and, and I know there may be people, People, Dave, that may say, well, you know, it's an ensemble cast, so they have to focus on the other characters. And that would be correct. But even with an ensemble cast, you always have your main leads. You always have your main characters. And sometimes it's just one. Sometimes it's two or three. If you look at episodes of Game of Thrones, uh, that's a show that has 15, 20 characters sometimes. But there's always two major characters, and that's Jon Snow and the Khaleesi. And their story has made its way throughout the entire past seasons because they have always been the focus. The story has always been about them. Yes. And this show should be written like a proper ensemble cast where you can focus on your other characters. Absolutely. I mean, that adds more depth, you know, a more robust world when you have more interesting characters, but you can never just let your lead fall to the wayside and thankfully, Gavin took our lead in the right direction this week. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I honestly feel that this episode, it showcased two of the major things that I always thought were important to the series. Mm-hmm. One was Kaz, and the other was the First Order. Yep. Because you have to, while we you, you have to have a strong lead, that strong lead has to have a well-established threat. And... This whole season with Resistance, the First Order has always been a threat that's in the dark, darkness, in the shadows. We never really actually know what they, how they operate. In this episode, because of Kaz, how Kaz interacts with them and how they, we get to finally see them, quote unquote, in action, it really, this showcased the dynamic of how the First Order will dictate the narrative of Kaz's. Where they're they're not they're completely different from the empire. Where the empire is like this empire that just steamrolls over everybody and takes control. No, the first order is like, hey, you know what? We learned from our past. We're going to manipulate you instead. I we're think- gonna we're gonna do what what worked for us in the past. Right, exactly. Because that's you're right that once the empire was. Well, the thing, yes, they steamrolled past everybody and didn't really care about what people thought, really. I mean, yeah. and, and they controlled the the political narrative for the most part through manipulation and propaganda, which we've seen that throughout the course of uh, various year, various uh, iterations of uh, Star Wars books and comics now up to this point. But yes, the the first order, Dave, is another highlight as well this week because we had three. We have three really cool, unique villains in a show that we. And I want to say, and, and I want to say they're unique, not just because, hey, they have cool suits. Yes, that's a a great way to make them, you know, eye catchy and give them some flair, right? But they're unique in the sense that they're three really cool 
and intriguing villains that are non-force wielders. Yeah. And we, I mean, this is Star Wars, right? This is about the Force. So for the most part, we don't really get many of those opportunities to tell the story about normal people. And that's kind of what Resistance is doing. It's showing the the perspective of of this this intergalactic turmoil from the perspective of kind of the regular folks. Yeah. And I do like that idea, but let's not forget the other side of the coin. When you're dealing with the world of Star Wars, especially when you're dealing with the Resistance, which is essentially the the uh, the Rebel Alliance, and you're dealing with the First Order, which is essentially the new version of the Empire, there are always two sides of the same coin. So when you're telling the story of the Resistance and you're kind of all but neglecting the importance of the First Order and you're not really working them into your stories, I feel like, uh, first off, I can let that pass so far just because I know that they're trying to get the story going. But now that we're past that halfway point, what did we get to see this this week? We saw our three villains yes. front and center. We had Pyre, we had Phasma, and uh, the Red Baron character. I forgot his name again. Von Rigg. Von Rigg. And I'm hoping this is just a sign of things to come because when it comes to them, I feel like um, we don't know enough and that's okay for now because they are the mystery. They are the villains. They are the villains. We're not quite sure what they're up to. And one of the worst things you can do with a villain is just reveal everything way too fast. But now that we're getting those those breadcrumbs dropped, I am really excited to see what what they do with those three villains. Oh, absolutely, because especially now that we understand the motive of the First Order, which is, you know, we kind doing of the shadow gameplay. Yes, manipulation, manipulation. Much, much like the earlier, before, like Palpatine, like right? Like Palpatine, Which yeah. isn't the First Order, essentially an offshoot of Palpatine's new plan. Yeah. I believe one of the books delved into that, as well as... Um, Battlefront as well. The Battlefront story mode also delved into that with um it was with like his fa- it was his last plan. Yeah. His, his backup plan if he were to fall. Yeah. So for them to use similar tactics would be very harmonious with what came before. What came before. And like by establishing the first order in this one is that type of entity, I feel it really helps set Kaz's narrative down and how we get to see Kaz. You know, we've always been saying that, oh, Kaz is trying to play a spy. Mm-hmm. He's trying to play the, you know, mole, the the character of the mole within a organization. He word play. Yeah, play. <laughs> and play. This one. Make believe. Yeah, this one. This one wasn't make believe. Kaz did his job well. No, the in, seriousness. In the story and the seriousness. The seriousness. It. I feel like came through at the same time. And that's another strength of the episodes that it was a little, um, I don't want to say meta. That's not the right word for it, but I like that just when things are getting real for us, the audience, we're like, okay, we see what they're doing here. This is good. It also became very real to Kaz. And that yeah. was because of the way they made it more personal for Kaz. And that's something that you and I had been talking about for a very long time because it wasn't just good because Kaz took action, which, yes, that's something we want. Right, Dave? We want Kaz to take action, take action. and make good decisions. But they also managed to make him a bit more make the story a little more personal for Kaz, which is ultimately the the biggest strength of this episode. Uh, this is something we've been drawing, droning on and on about. Make it fucking personal. Make it matter 
to him opposed to just tossing him into a situation that doesn't matter to him. And by creating a relationship of sorts between Kaz and Sonara, whether it be romantic or just a friend situation, although I'm hoping it's a romantic one, Kaz deserves a little bit of, you know, R&R, right? <laughs> I mean, but I'm also, I'm also kind of torn. I'm like, do I want to ship Hora and Kaz together, or do I want to ship Sonara and Kaz together? Yeah, that's a hard one, because they're both pretty steamy in their own... uh, If you were to translate them over to live-action form, I think both of them would be pretty steamy. Yeah. So, and I I digress, Dave. Why did you you do that to me? So stupid. Uh, But it did work. Ultimately, whatever the relationship may be, whether it be romantic or just a friend situation, it worked to pull him, Kaz, into the story and make it more intimate. For example, Sonara's betrayal and having Kaz be the one to figure it out was one of the best decisions this show has made since its premiere in the fall. It clears the path for the audience and makes the fight and makes the fight and purpose a bit more clear. We have to understand we have to understand the perspective and emotions of our heroes and this was one big step in in the right direction. For Kaz. Yes, for Kaz. That's the big thing, too, because, like, it's not, it's, this isn't a story about Tora. It's not a story about her father. All those people are side characters. This is Kaz's story. That That's what they have, uh, for me, that's what Resistance was missing, was the fact that they have to tell a solid narrative like what they had in Rebels. This is Ezra's story. Rebels was Ezra's story. And in Clone Wars, it's Ahsoka's story. And Ahsoka, Anakin, and Obi-Wan, it's their story. Well, Resistance, we've always been told that Kaz is the centerpiece. He's the he's the hotshot pilot. It's not about Poe Dameron. It's not about Princess Leia. It's about this young, up-and-coming rebel uh, Resistance pilot in Kaz. And... Uh, up until up until now, it's always been just like what you said about the ensemble around him, and it's not been about Kaz. He hasn't been the focus at all he in, hasn't been in the focus. any in any way. It, just because he's in the background being an idiot doesn't mean, mean he's, he's the, the focus. focus. It yeah. means he's an idiot in the background. That's it. You know. So yeah. So honestly, it was just so refreshing to see a competent Kaz this week. He figured out that something was amiss. And he made decisions. He took control. Whether they were bad decisions or good decisions doesn't matter. The fact that the writers allowed him to make the decisions that would alter the course of the show. And that's why this episode was a win for me. Now, Dave, is Sonara going to join Team Kaz? Is that the direction it's going or is it too obvious? Do you think she'll end up... Staying along with the pirates, or is Sonara now along for the ride? Is she going to be Team Resistance? I think, I think what we're going to see in Sonara's story arc is something similar to kind of like uh, the character that we loved in Rebels, the commander from uh, Rebels. I can't recall his Callus. name. Callus, mm-hmm. Agent Callus. I think we're going to see something like that because the the relationship that. Sonara has with the pirates. Sonara always believed that it was kind of like a family. This is like, this is her family. The pirates are her family. When in actuality, this this episode, it really came out that the pirates don't view each other as family. 
You know, her boss sees her as a underling. You do what, I, you know, like you do what I say and you come back here. And he, he always reiterates, this is her home. You know, it's, it's all about her boss, her boss. It's all about him. And likewise with, with when you take into parallel with agent Callis's storyline, Callis always believed that about the empire. Oh, this is his home. This is, you know, Hey, I'm comrades with this guy over here. And then it comes front and center to him that basically, no, they don't view you like how you view them. It's not amicable. And I think that that's what was important in this episode with Sonara's story arc was the fact that she's starting to see that it's not amicable with her quote unquote pirate family. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do, and I do think that that's why after this episode, I think we're going to see a similar storyline with her where she becomes just like we said, part of team resistance, team cast. Yeah. I, um, I like Sonara quite a bit. She might be one of my favorite characters. I like those characters that are torn between two worlds. That's why agent Callus's story line really, really worked for me. Yeah. And rebels. It was, I mean, we, we spent, I think over an hour on that episode when they, when they, uh, what was the episode they, they teamed or paired up Zeb and Callus together? I mean, that was such a good episode. And what a perfect example to show you that the show Star Wars audiences and fans like us in particular, that you don't need the Force always to be front and center. Yeah. Uh, and when I mean the Force, I mean like Jedi. Because the Force does need to be front and center as a as a general theme that governs the the world of Star Wars, but I'm talking Jedi. Like, it shows you that these two characters... Don't need two, lightsabers. Right. That they can be two regular people, and the story would work just fine. Uh-huh. And I'm hoping they do something similar with Sonara. I don't... They don't need to do a carbon copy, but if Sonara does go Team Kaz and becomes part of the Resistance, I hope they wait a few more episodes just so that we can see... A little bit more of that that realization at, that you were talking yes. about of you know what these people are not my friends yeah they all i don't matter to them i'm just uh you know a cog in the machine whereas kaz and torah and tam they like me like the, these people care for me they went out of their way to save me uh so it's going to be interesting to see what they do and Sonara is becoming uh, the, that secondary character for me. Yeah, I do. And, I do like Tam. I do like Tora, but there isn't enough there yet uh, in terms of their e- emotions, emotional connection to the story. Yeah, I like Tam. I like what they do with her. I like Tora. I like what they do with her. I like Yeager. Uh, Yeager's is kind of took a backseat for me. He was my secondary, but now Sonara is becoming my my secondary, and I'm hoping they they continue to build on that. And. And the reason why I'm really interested in the Sonara storyline now is because, just like we said, we it might be similar to what we've seen in general uh, in uh, Agent Callus. Mm-hmm. However, they're doing something. I can I can see in the narrative with her that they're doing something different with her. Like I enjoyed that very ending where Kaz. It, this was the first time we've ever seen Kaz actually have the a serious in the ending. Yeah, yeah, have a serious. You know, not lighthearted talk. This was a serious moment for Kaz where he comes to the realization, wait a minute. My friend over there that I trust, I know that she's part of the, part of the other team. Yeah. But he doesn't, the, 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 
the most awesome thing that they did was, and it showed how much Kaz is starting to get mature. He's starting to think. He's starting. His to balls become, are starting to drop, yeah, Dave. He's starting to become that agent where he goes, "I'm not going to rat her out." At the age of 25, he's finally he's finally reached puberty. I think <laughs> puberty. he's finally becoming a man. He's finally becoming a man. <laughs> but like, it, it, that was actually a really cool moment for for. Kaz and for Sonar's story where Kaz doesn't say anything. He doesn't come out and tell anybody. He's, he tells BB-8 he knows, but, but you know what? That they're shows- not going to do anything. And it, yeah, he's not going to do anything about it. Yeah, well, because it shows a, a, I like that they decided to have it be more um, that he decided to approach the situation more subtle. Yeah. I feel like if this was a Kaz from the earlier half of the season, he would have just blurted out, I know exactly, what you did. Yeah. I know what you did. Why you do that? Whereas this, it, it felt more contemplative and thought out. Like, like he knew, Kaz knew that, that in order to find out exactly what's going on, he knows now that Sonara is, in fact, connected to it all. And in order to, to figure out how this entire mystery unravels, he can't reveal his cards. He has to play it close to the chest. To the chest, yeah. And that's another great decision this week that the writers made with Kaz. Is that it, it wasn't the first season Kaz that just would start blurting out things and being all clumsy about it. This is a guy that says, you know what? It's the smarter approach is to pretend I don't know any better. That I don't know what had just transpired yeah. under our noses. And the and the difference the that I noticed was like the cast from the first season is like when he found out Doza was an what used to be an imperial officer. Right. He was blurting it out to people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like going, that is the cast of the first season. And all of a sudden we get to here, and I'm I was honestly expecting him to blurt out to Tora and Tam that oh my god I saw I saw a scenario with those two pirates and they were working together. No. He doesn't do that this time. He he takes that information, says, "No, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm gonna keep it close to my vest for right now, and try to find out what, how deep this is going." And I'm like, going, "Oh my god! If I was BB-8, I would literally have turned to him and says, Holy shit! You're you're learning." <laughs> I think BB-8 did say that when when he was beeping a lot. He's like, "Oh my god! Who are you? Who are you?" I, I might not roll over your feet anymore and try to hurt you. <laughs> and try to hurt. You. I still stand by my our, our first thoughts. I don't. BB-8 doesn't like Kaz. No, I think that BB-8 does not like Kaz at <laughs> well, all. Well, come on, you're, he's used to being around someone very capable like Poe Dameron, and then he's like, <laughs> "Why did I get put with the varsity with the junior varsity team? Why? This why do I have bullshit. to babysit him?" <laughs> yeah. Um. I do think it's funny that Kaz, Kaz constantly announces himself. You know how he announces himself all loud? Hey, Sonara, where are you at? And then it kind of gives him away. Yeah. Like he announces himself like someone that walked in on someone masturbating and looking at porn. <laughs> like It's like, you know what? I remember that one time when I was like 17 and I walked in on my father and he was jerking it. And, and you know, from from here on out, I'm just, I'm going to start announcing. Every time I sneak up on people, I'm just be like, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Bear, bear. I, I mean, bear. <laughs> I mean, that's what Maggie does now. My wife. I mean, ever since she walked in on me, and I was looking at porn on my four my four computer screens because you know just one screen isn't enough apparently. <laughs> and I'm like, knock next time. <laughs> announce, <laughs> announce yourself. <laughs> hey, Michael, I'm coming down the hallway. <laughs> Michael, put your penis away. 
your penis. Pull up your pants. <laughs> Doesn't he act like that though? He acts yeah, like someone that, that that had a bad experience once. Like he walked in on someone, and now he's gonna make sure everyone knows he's coming now. Like, hey guys, I'm I'm I'm, I'm down the hall. Please I'm down the hall. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> Don't mind me. Don't mind me. I'm just I, I'm just walking through. <laughs> All right, so. Patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. Head over there to pledge $5 or more a month. And when you do, you gain access to more Star Wars eccentric discussions, breakdowns on comics, books, you name it. We do it. As long as it's connected to Star Wars, we will get it covered eventually at some point. We're a little slow on the comic front just because there's a new comic book being released, it seems like, every single every week. Week. But we, we get to a lot of different discussions. We also take requests on Patreon. So if you if there's a specific book, uh, even if it's the Expanded Universe or uh, anything else that you can think of that you'd like us to cover, we will consider it. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. It helps us. And it helps you. Also, Pozu is currently offering 25% on all Ray boots. Prepare to step into the Star Wars Pozu footwear collaboration wearing boots and sneakers inspired by some of the film's lead characters, including BB-8, Kylo Ren, and Rey. But currently, they're offering 25% off on all Rey boots. So head over to our website, click on the links, help us out, get yourself some Rey boots, raymandigitalmedia.com. It's so worth it. All right, Dave. It's so wizard. Yeah, Dave, they brought it back. They brought it back. <laughs> Probably one of the worst Star Wars slang words it's to have ever. ever been introduced into the Star Wars lexicon. <laughs> I was like trying to figure out what? No, Torah. But you know no. what? Honestly, I, I, I didn't care. I laughed and chuckled a bit, but I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> as long as you don't bring Kidster back, I'm okay. Like let's that's um, what you that's when you'll throw your hands up in the air. <laughs> yeah, don't let's forget Kidster ever existed. Uh, let's con them out of our minds. But if Tora uses it, I, I'm I'm okay with it because it, we've never. It fits your character. As far as I remember, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I've ever heard another character use that word wizard. No. Except for Kidster and Phantom Menace. <laughs> Phantom Menace. So having a character say it randomly, especially a young person, like I, I believe Tora is what, like 16, 17 years old? Yeah. Yeah. Having a young person use it, I feel like works because it adds just that consistency and harmony within the world of Star Wars because obviously it is a word that is used. Yeah. And we've never seen it used again or heard it used again, which would make sense. I'm sure a lot of other Star Wars creators out there, uh, novelists, comic book writers and whatnot are like, mm, yeah, wizard. That's pretty fucking dumb. So, but you know what? It, but it worked for it this. It worked. It worked for Tora because it fits her personality. And that's the important thing. The use of dialogue in this episode was perfect because there was dialogue used by each character that fit their personality. When when she did use the wizard reference, I kind of rolled my eyes, but then I stopped and I said, well, wait a minute, this is the same person that just wants to go back into her room and play video games. Yeah, she's a kid. She's a kid. Okay, yeah. This it worked. And honestly, Dave, I'd rather them continue to use words that they've created that's unique 
to their world, exclusive to the world of Star Wars, opposed to using slang words or, um, you know, affects that represent the real world. Yeah. The world we live in. And, and, you know, this is not a complaining show, but that's one of my problems that I had with Last Jedi is that they did a lot of jokes that just weren't what they weren't Star Wars jokes. They were our our world jokes. And it kind of pulls you out of the immersion of the film it kind of pulls you back into reality and um you're like oh well they just used words uh, from a jay-z rap song yeah um interesting they're and they're actually doing the jay-z by brushing those haters off oh. their shoulders <laughs> so i'd rather them use wizard and other words that they've created on their own that's exclusive to the universe of star wars that way it doesn't ever pull us from from the story itself, no, I which agree. becomes very jarring when you're trying to follow a narrative. But but ultimately, but also more importantly, too, it has to fit that character. Because, like, if you hey, have yeah, to... You, you don't want Poe Dameron saying that's yes. so wizard. What would you have done if Poe Dameron said it? Yeah. Or if Poe Dameron just did looked you, at... Like in Last Jedi, he's all like, hey, uh, uh, General, did you see what I just did? I just took out all those dreadnoughts. That's so wizard, wizard. right? <laughs> Like it just basically goes, don't let him back on the ship. Don't let him back on the ship. <laughs> you know, when Finn had a plan to go find the code breaker hey, on Kidster, Canto Bite. Why'd you just call me Kidster? Oh, oh. <laughs> what if we find out that Poe Dameron is actually Kidster? Oh. Like he changed his name as he got older and he aged very well. <laughs> he aged very well. All right. So let's talk about the first order. We briefly touched on it at the top of the show. But I want to I want to get your thoughts, Dave. Like when do you feel is the appropriate time to go full bore into our villains um, and ha- not just have our introductions like we've had so far, but I'm talking about building their stories a bit and bringing them into the episodes in a way that it's not just the maniacal end of the episode type Voltron villain where he's like Dr. Claw is like, <laughs> yeah, we've got a plan, which so far it works. It works. But when do we bring them from the shadows and they become the villains of the show. When does this happen, Dave? And when does it need to happen? I think if you were to if you were to ask me, like before Resistance came out in season, I would have said basically by they should have came out like four by episode four, because maybe actually, maybe one of them, right? Yeah, at least because the thing I realized after this was like. Uh, after I watched this episode, the funny part was I was watching Disney XD and they released a video of a compilation of the greatest moments of Darth Vader and Rebels. And then I, it, it dawned on me after watching that compilation that I was like going, wait a minute. Compared to all the other series, this is what's missing in Resistance. It's the villain that basically those villain moments that basically go, Oh my God, this guy's a very viable threat. Like you don't want to mess with him. Yeah. So you think that's part of the problem with the, yeah. one of the additional problems with the first half of the season. The is first that- half of the season, we don't have anything about Pyre and Von, Von Reg, especially Von Reg. Yeah. When you think about it, Von Reg was supposed to be the red Baron tie fighter pilot that yeah. beats everybody. Well, I had a lot of high hopes because how they introduced him in the very first episode was really strong and it created a lot of questions. It created a lot of questions. So I agree with you, Dave, if anything, they probably should have 
continued with the Von Reg side of things, at least maybe showing him doing things from the shadows a little bit more rather than just assumptions that the pirates are working for them. Like maybe give us a little bit more, maybe give us like three or four minutes of a story each episode of what he's doing, like how he is manipulating the pirates and what he does to manipulate them. Exactly. That I would agree with that. I know the story isn't really a, uh, it isn't a villain versus hero type show show, meaning um, it isn't like a one. It isn't a, uh, uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? A showdown type show where you yes. have the story. It isn't Marvel's Daredevil or Marvel's Luke Cage or Marvel's. The villain isn't like it, it, they're well, not isn't defined. Right, I understand we're not doing those parallel stories where you have the story of the villain, the origin story of the villain, and the origin story of the hero working together parallel in tandem, and then it's going to all come together at the end. I understand that's not this type of story. Yeah. However, it would have been nice. I agree that we would have had at least a little bit more development on on one of our villains, of Von Reg. I mean, in fact, that's isn't that the whole point of introducing new characters, Von Reg and Pyre? It, because you can do pretty much anything with them because they're not uh, we're not we don't have to be beheld to to previous storylines that story introduce lines, them yeah. like Force Awakens or even potentially any stories that they may want to tell with people like Kylo Ren or Fanta or Captain Phasma later down the road uh-huh. with characters like Reg or Von Reg and Pyre the sky's the limit they can literally do whatever the fuck they want with them so, yes, I feel like the first half of the season, they definitely missed the boat with that. But moving forward, Dave, it does seem like they're going to be a more, yeah, a, a more visible part of the show, right? And I'm hoping, I'm hoping in the next episode that we see more of at least Von Reg. I think, I think Von we Reg are. Because Von Reg is there. Yeah, I think we are, Dave. I mean, yes, Py- uh, Commander Pyre, I could, I could swallow the fact that basically Pyre is away because w- th- when we see the transmission... Von Reg's the one that they send. Right. And he's usually their their front and center guy that basically leads all the troops. Okay, fine. Pyre's not going to be front and center. But Von Reg, however, should be. And uh, I'm hoping that basically as soon as next episode, we start seeing Von Reg interacting with Kaz. Because I think that that's ultimately who Kaz has to kind of connect to as oh this is the representation of the first order and it's von reg because i think that's what kaz is missing he knows that the first order is out there but he doesn't really have a focus point of saying i i i see that character or i see that guy and i know it's the first order yeah and you know dave maybe the maybe there's a method to the madness perhaps because well, think about it like this, okay? Let me backtrack just a second here. Um, because where we are at currently with the First Order, and I mean in Star Wars chrono- chronology. Chronology? Yes, chronology. Chronology. The First Order is all but a mystery, right? Yes. Most of the galaxy doesn't really know they don't, that they exist, and if they yeah. have heard of them, it's like whispers, and it could be very easily just be some type of New Republic or resistance propaganda. So I understand what they're doing. I, I'm okay. I, maybe that's what they were trying to do, meaning um, because they are essentially a mystery that they also want to convey that notion in resistance that there is an enemy, but it's an un 
It's an enemy without a face right now. And maybe that's why they were trying to keep Von Reg and Pyre and Phasma kind of out of the story so that they can kind of convey or evoke some of those those feelings. Yes. Uh, I maybe I'm justifying. I, I don't know, Dave, but if that's what they were trying to do, I get it. They could have gone about it another way that felt a little more. Um, I, I guess I'm not really sure better how to executed. say executed. Yeah, they could have done. Yes, Dave, that's that's the better way of saying. It. Yeah, they could have executed it proper a little better, possibly. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll do, see what happens. Do you think we're going to see Kylo Ren before the end of the season? I doubt it because like Kylo Ren. Right I think now, he's just way too major of a character. I think to, he's, number one, he's way too major of a character. Number two, the way that he's being portrayed, especially in the two, the two episodes that we had with the children of Tehar, with the children of the Force, mm-hmm. Kylo Ren's seen as a mythical figure. Because you remember, the children of the, the Tehar, the children were te- talking about, it's Kylo Ren's army. It's not the First Order. Kylo Ren's army is coming. They don't know that Kylo Ren's tied to the First Order. And we know through basically, you know, like what we've seen and what we've known from Force Awakens and Last Jedi, Kylo Ren has always been seen as kind of like that boogeyman. He's the boogeyman right now. Mm -hmm. And he's almost, he's getting to that level of his grandfather, Darth Vader, where he's like, you know how they portrayed him in, in Rebels. Darth Vader shows up. Everyone's like, oh, my God, what is this? He's not a man. He's a thing. He's like a force of evil. And I think that's where Kylo Ren is. And to bring Kylo Ren into resistance right now, I think would just be too much. Yeah, you think it's kind of maybe who's what is kind of going to do? Maybe (laughs) it's that whole Alfred Hitchcockian um, angle where you build up the threat and you create the fear. And the the potential issues that a bad guy, monster, or villain, arch nemesis may present to your hero, to your story. And then when the time's right, after everything has been built and you care about characters and whatnot, then they bring and reveal the monster behind the mask type thing. Exactly. Just yeah. like what they did in Rebels. Because remember, in Rebels, they didn't bring Darth Vader in until like season two. Mm-hmm. And they established first all the characters that made us care about these characters. And if you notice, that worked because by season two, when we saw Darth Vader, I remember me and you were like discussing how fans were like terrified that, oh, Kanan and Ezra are going to die because they're going to run into Darth Vader and Vader's just going to kill them. Yeah. But they always found creative ways to make that work. Exactly. And they found creative ways to make it work. Introducing Kylo Ren at this point at the end of season one, it wouldn't make sense because then you're, uh, for me, Kaz, Kaz and Kylo Ren, their paths are far too different. Kaz knows nothing about the force. I, it, throughout the entire season, we've kind of had this inkling that Kaz, I don't know if he knows about the force, but I very doubt he even thinks about it his brain is kind of like you know han solo i'm i'm a pilot i believe in uh, you know like kaz is the type of person that is happiest in a cockpit it with a machine around him and that's not 
intuitive to a to a force telling story for a force generated character like Kylo Ren. Yeah. Now, could I see? I we know that General Hux is is going to be seen. Would General Hux be here? Yeah, I think that would be a cool big bad to show up. Yeah, I'm hoping we see all of them, even if it's not for story, but it's it's a fan moment. Uh, there's some type. Sometimes you need fan service, and it would be cool at some point we see Snoke, Kylo Ren, and Hux. Snoke would be interesting. Yeah, Snoke would be really interesting. We'll see what happens. All right, Dave, let's take a very quick break, and then when we get back, we'll get into some trivia aspects. We'll be right back. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. I was surprised that they even existed. I didn't even know. I thought they went belly up years ago. I didn't know right. Boy Scouts was still a thing. Well, because how many people know how to do any of that stuff anymore? Tie knots, help old ladies across the street. Every member of the kink community. Okay. But listen, the kink this community were not Boy Scouts. I guarantee it. <laughs> well... Useless skills that you will never use in your life, except those lonely nights when you realize you're 40, you're a Boy Scout, and you're a virgin. <laughs> on your 48th camping Then trip. you're going to be tying those sailor knots on those lonely nights. On that noose. <laughs> <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Even that part when he's going to look for it and you're in the middle of the stream and he takes a shovel and he's moving two top rocks with it and he's then he's kicking rocks and there it is. Yeah, you're telling me you buried this box years ago, Where right? Where it flood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this? That's what I was talking about when it comes to the the logic. Right. There's, there's like even things that were just illogical thrown in this movie. I'm like, come on. I understand B. Because B movies, there has been some atrocious B movies. But the B movies is some of the cliches, some of the stereotypes, some of the over the top action of violence, some of the bad acting, the sleaziness. But there's illogical decisions being made from a directing and writing standpoint. It has nothing to do with the actual movie per se. It's like, come on, you're telling me you couldn't have had a couple PAs say, hey guys, you know what? Today you're going to dig a, a deep hole about six feet deep. Please start digging and then we're going to bury this box in there. How right. hard would that have been? <laughs> listen up, cowboys and cowgirls. You can now listen to Weird West Radio every Sunday. Only on Rain Man Digital. Everybody to Star Wars from the back tank. We are going to continue our discussion now on Star Wars Resistance, episode 13, titled What was the title? Doza's Dilemma. Doza's or Doza Dilemma. Name of it. Alright, so I like when Star Wars brings back things we've seen in the past, like these Star Wars shows. Uh, for example, Tora's drone blaster hologram <laughs> that this was week. Cool. 
Yeah, it, apparently, according to the resistance bucket list this week, it employs the same style of training remotes used by Luke Skywalker in Star Wars A New Hope. So that's a nice little Easter egg. Yes. Um, also, ever since the first episode of Resistance aired, the highlights for me has been 100% the character and vehicle design of the pirates. I'm pretty sure you also voiced a similar thought as well. Yes. It screams Ralph McQuarrie. Yes. It has the pulpy flair that Lucas and McQuarrie used as, inspira- as inspiration for much of their concepts. And this week's episode, Dave, just took it up a notch. Now, according to the Resistance bucket list, the ship that we saw, Kragan's pirate ship, yes. is made from genuine recycled Imperial materials. It reveals various bits of repurposed technology cobbled together that make up its parts. Uh, Kragan's crow's nest is a hollowed out ATTE foot on an artificial or articulated leg. A Lombada class shuttle wing stabilized the craft, and its main hull seems to be made out of an old ATAT body. Yep. Uh, the overall shape and silhouette was based off a shark, and the lead Lombada class pirate shuttle locks onto the back to complete the back fin. Uh, there are several ports and docks for all the other pirate fighters, whoops, and skiffs to attach for easy deployment. And I love also, the fact that they threw those skiffs in there. Yeah, I have to say that this episode is my favorite, not just because of the cast aspects, but because of the pirates. Dave, the the design is it, it sucks you in. You don't want it yes. to stop. Like the moment they pop into screen, the moment the two pirates showed up on the platform with Sonara, I love the clash of styles, the the clean, um, minimalist look of the platform, and you compare that to the. Uh, the disarray and eclectic vibe of the pirate fleet and the pirate, the pirates in general, man, it just works to give it a whole new vibe and aura. And yes, we've seen smugglers. We've seen pirates. We've seen all types of different character types in star Wars up to this point, but I feel like resistance is taking it up a notch that they're making it their own and making it very fucking unique. These types of designs are very different from anything we've seen. Yes, they're borrowing from the Ralph McCurry stuff. And of course, things we've seen in Clone Wars comes pretty close. But I think this might be some of my favorite. Oh, the, absolutely. I mean, my favorite scene uh, with the ships has to be when Kragan's pirate ship first shows up out of that fog. It's coming through. The, it's coming through the fog. And he's on the on the, the bow. Oh, and, dude. And I was like, going, I got a, a little minute. giddy. They just took Star Wars and crossed over. I was like, going, when did this become Pirates of the Caribbean? Dude, it's so good. And I was like going, and with Kragan on the crow's nest and everything, I was like going, they, Resistance was just able to actually take two genre styles, Pirates and Star Wars, and just mix them together. And I'm like going, at that moment, dude, I honestly felt I want to see a series based around the pirates. I mean, the Colossus is on a planet that is an ocean, and we know that the pirates are everywhere. How cool would it have been if they actually could have done a pirate-type series just centered around centered around this type of style? And I was like going, man, that would have been really cool, especially with like Kragen, the design of Kragan's ship. I got giddy just looking at it. I was like, going, 
I want to see this as a Lego set so badly. Oh, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. If, if they make that as a Lego set, I don't have room for any Legos, Dave, but I will throw away another one for that. Yeah. If I mean, holy a, Christ. If they made Kragen's pirate ship from Resistance into a Lego set, oh my God, I would buy it in a second. I mean, just excellent, excellent work. And the uh, the amount of imagination it must take, you know, a creative mind to come up with a design of that. I, I'm going to try to do my research and I'm, I am, I'm going to do my research. And if I can find all the information I need, I'll, I will uh, bring up any information I could find on who actually designed the pirate ship because there is... There's a genius behind that design. I mean, to know how to put these different pieces together and and to make what would appear to be a viable spacecraft is fucking fantastic. So I really, really like that part. I'm hoping we continue to see more pirates. I have a feeling that we may not only because it would seem the the, the resistance complete or the first order uh, burn that bridge. Because of how they used them and manipulated them to turn them into the bad guy and they're the heroes. So I yes. don't know if we'll get a lot more of them down the road. I don't think they're over completely, but I am looking forward to seeing what they do. And if anything, Dave, I don't think we'll ever get a pirate cartoon right now. But this gives me high hopes for The Mandalorian, which I was already excited about. We know The Mandalorian takes place between... Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we know The Mandalorian is going to be that show. It's going to be the show that delves into the outer regions of the galaxy where things are more like this. So if we can get some of those types of... Imagine if we get imagery like that in live action form. Dude. Oh, my God. I mean, that's a win. That would be such a win. And honestly, dude, I, I really hope that we see... There has to be some consequence for the first order on turning on the pirates Kragen's not just gonna let this go he's not gonna roll over yeah he's not gonna roll over but the question becomes is kind of like well is Kragen gonna attack the first order or is he gonna attack the colossus or or better yet what if Kragen joins the resistance see I, that's because the, that's they the thing have a shared like, enemy yes the enemy of my enemy is my friend so I could see Kragen kind of Turning that way. Yes. Kragen That'd be an this, interesting angle, right? Because like the more I thought about it, I was like, well, Kragen's like a villain right now. Right. And by, the more I thought about it, the way he was kind of talking to Sonar and everything. And yes, I know uh, just in this, uh, in this episode, we were discussing how he sees Sonara as an underling. However, at the end of the day, Kragen is a pirate. He's not doing this out of malice. He's doing this for the money. Yeah, and that's why I don't view him solely. I don't view him exclusively as a villain. He's kind of just a hurdle. He's an obstacle for our hero to get past for the time being. He's not really, if you look at how he has been written and the pirates in general, they're not a villain. They're just a hurdle. They're a current, they're an, a current obstacle for our hero to overcome, but the villains of the show is of course the first order. It's the first Von Reg, it's Pyre, it's Phasma. Those are our villains. So I feel like they could turn this around and make it to where the pirates join forces with the resistance. I think that would be something unique and different. We haven't really seen a lot of those moments. I know Ezra befriended um 
Uh, the former pirate. What well, I forget his name. Oh now. my god, I forgot it. It's well, he's one of my favorite characters yeah, he, too in Rebels. He was in Clone Wars and Rebels. His name escapes me momentarily, so I apologize. I suck as a Star Wars fan, but I, I, I think most people know who we're talking about. Yes. Um. But as an entire group, to see them get involved themselves in the war, even if it's just temporary, temporarily because of you know wanting to get back at the First Order for what they did. I mean, they kind of hold all the cards when you think about it, because Kragen can easily set up a meeting with Doza and say, hey, look, this is what happened, man. Why do I have any reason to lie to you? I, there, I get nothing out of lying. Oh, I just actually found out the name of the Kragen ship is the Galleon. Yeah, dude. The Galleon and, and the picture of the Galleon is just epic. Yeah, I'm going really like to post some high res stills on our uh, site's discussion page for this um, episode breakdown when the show goes live because I want people to all, I want everyone to appreciate the imagery of this week's episode. Because so, it really hard. It, it also harkens back to Jabba's barge from, uh, it has that, Return of the Jedi. has a little bit of vibe, that it has vibe that going vibe of it yeah. where it's like, okay, it's kind of like that rebel scum, a re, a like scum villain type of underworld underworld. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, this concludes our discussion, Dave. Why don't you give me before we end everything? Why don't you give me your final thoughts in a nutshell? We've already been going on for about an hour now. So in a nutshell, this episode was a big surprise. I have to agree. And it's a well-earned a for this episode. What It is because like, they, wow, they, look at you giving they, it an a, they gave it an a, which is very rare this season. I don't think we've handed out a's for, for the episodes. But I appreciate the fact that they stuck to their guns. They actually focused on the narrative. They showed development of Kaz, which is very important. They didn't take away anything from, like, the cast around him. And on top of that, they focused on giving their menace some teeth now. I now have – I now understand – what they're trying to actually show the first order. And now I can actually say, okay, show, f- show them what show them as they, what as, light they're trying to show them in. Yeah, the, yeah. What light they're trying to show them in, because like the first order is the type is far different from the empire where the empire, like what I said earlier would steamroll over everyone and say, no, I'm going to just put my soldiers here, whether you like it or not. And just leave it like that. Instead, the first order is like going, no, 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 we'll leave the security detail here for you, you know, for your benefit. <laughs> and there's a little bit of a mafioso vibe to what they do. It's like, yeah. you know what? Um, we're going to charge you for protection. Protection from what? From us. From us. So uh, if you don't pay me, you know, $100 a, a weekend, guess what? We're going to destroy your grocery store. So it does feel different. It feels different from yeah. the Empire. And this uh, this episode really, really brought that front front and centers to help for me as the audience understand okay what is your villain threat like yeah agreed uh dave um i was gonna give this a most improved award you know like the the awards i got when i was a kid i never got you know anything about exceptional behavior or higher intelligence or gifted i got most improved awards which (laughs) which means you know i fucked up most of the year and then at the very end i brought it all together so i was gonna do that but i was like oh fuck that shit that's some bullshit um (laughs) this episode is a solid a without a doubt there was purpose there was direction there was foresight there was breadcrumbs being dropped. 
it had everything that makes a complete episode feel right. It makes it feel like a complete season. It feels consistent with things they were trying to do earlier in the year, but it didn't really quite come out the way they wanted. And this episode gives me high hopes for the season. And it also backs up the trailer, the mid-season trailer that we that we all got excited for when we saw. So I like the direction that we're looks like we're going in. So A grade. I want to thank everybody for listening to this week's discussion on Star Wars Resistance. If you miss any part of this broadcast, because you caught us on our 24-7 channel, RM channel 001, you can always find all of our discussions, past and present, on demand via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Also, Facebook. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Star Wars from the back to tank. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Hello, this is Stormtrooper One, and if you've missed any portion of the show, you can always head over to fromthebacktotank.com and uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search BACTA, and add us to your favorites. Thank you, and uh, listen responsibly. And may the Force be with you. And long live. From the Back to Take, and From the Back to Take is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas, hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotake.com. You can also find us on Twitter at From Back to Take, as well as Facebook, facebook.com slash From the Back to Take.